to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the DWZ, that's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on Twitter at SaladGalore, that is Dallas spelled backwards with the double L, Galore. It is great to be back, guys, and I am here to chat with you about the bowl games, the recap of the bowl games and players that either excited disappointed or confused me a little bit on a couple of these guys with their decisions to last second opt out. Um, This is really where we're going to start heating up, guys. I took the two weeks to watch the Bulls, kind of reassessed where I was at with the rookie prospects, and now I will be diving head on into the content. Um, Just for a little bit of recap, if you haven't listened to this last week's episode of the Dynasty Warzone regular scheduled show, I was there chatting with Memphis, doing um, some last second kind of 2022 recap, um, going over my buys and sells from that rookie class dove into six specific players in that rookie class, and then also started looking at the Bears offseason, looking at some prospects and kind of throwing some names out there that might fit with quite a few different teams. So make sure to give that a listen if you haven't already. But we're going to start diving into the rookie content here. I'm doing the bowl recaps, and then I just kind of jump headfirst into some different content. Um, The first episode I'm going to be dropping after this one will be my very, very early... (laughs) Sorry, my cat is all over my business right now. Um, My very early positional rankings, where I'm at right now with immediate reactions. Um, I've officially gone over my three games worth of tape. Um, I have a tendency basically to go through the analysis of their best statistical game, their worst statistical game, and then their hardest opponent game. Um, sometimes those match up, so sometimes I pick the second hardest opponent, but I have a tendency to just kind of, you know, run through, look at those guys, watch every snap that they've taken from those specific games, and then focus on that. So that's what we have to look forward to next week. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the bowl coverage. So for those of you that have been living underneath a rock, which I don't think is any of you, um, based off the the fact that you're listening to this podcast, um, the bowl games are now over. Georgia is the national championship winner, and they won it in emphatic fashion over TCU. Um, It was a pretty exciting college football playoff and bowl season in general, but specifically the playoffs were very, very exciting. So I'll go ahead and just cover those games first just so we can talk about kind of the big dogs here to go over them so the fiesta bowl was between tcu and michigan obviously tcu beat michigan and just a barn burner just a lot of offensive points were scored and we saw a lot of things that we wanted to see um Quentin Johnson, Kendry Miller, Max Dugan all looked very, very good. Michigan's defense didn't look pretty much anything like they had all season, so it was very explosive on both sides of the ball. Um, I'm telling you guys, I've talked about it a couple times now, but Kendry Miller is just a ton of fun to watch, and he's extremely explosive at that height-weight-speed combo. He's going to be very enticing for a team that runs a gap offense. And I think he would personally fit extremely, extremely, extremely well in a place like, I know this kind of gets tossed around a lot, but I think he would fit a lot in a scheme like a Shanahan offense, but a kind of an offshoot of that. He's a guy that I could easily see in a Packers offense. I could see him going into, hell, even something like the Titans offense would be something that would fit heavily into his repertoire. 
Um, he's a guy I'm paying attention to a lot. Quentin Johnson absolutely balled out in this game um, and then decided not so much to do that in the actual national championship game. He was getting open, but the main issue in that one was, um, I've talked about this a little bit, both in the Patreon group chat and with um, some people just kind of shooting the shit in some DMs and on Twitter. Um, it was kind of expected. He was going up against Kyler Ringo from Georgia, who is not a perfect prospect by any means. He struggles a lot with slot receivers and crossing routes, but he was going up against Quentin Johnson, where if there was one DB probably in college that could shut down Quentin Johnson, it would be a guy that has the exact same physical size, traits, inability to do that quick stop-start kind of cutting that Quentin Johnson also struggles with. And so he was able to basically keep him to just, you know, 30 yards in the offense, three receptions, and not a lot of production. Um, but that game got out of hand quick, and so it wasn't that crazy. Um, the guy that did concern me quite a bit from this game, though, was Max Dugan. Um, he he just could not deal with pressure. Um, that offensive line was imploding, and yes, I know George's defense is good, but he was making very poor decision-making on the throws. He had one big bomb touchdown, but other than that, pretty much halfway through the first quarter, the game was pretty much over already. <clears throat> so that's where I'm at with those TCU guys. was impressed with what I saw from Quentin Johnson and Kendra Miller. Um, Kendra Miller continues to just kind of steadily creep up my board. Quentin Johnson is still sitting where he is because I was hoping he could potentially show me more against better competition, but unfortunately I did not see that against a team like Georgia. Um, it just kind of went the way that I thought it was going to go. Going into the other college playoff game, we are looking at the Peach Bowl. That was Georgia versus Ohio State. Obviously, you know that I am just distraught at the fact that Ohio State did not win on that last second field goal. But Georgia earned it. Georgia kind of proved that they're top dog right now. Um, but the thing is, the players in here, it's kind of a mixed bag. So CJ Stroud, best game of his career, realistically, against this Georgia team. Um, balled out, can't take anything away from him. And I think he really solidified his draft stock by playing how he did. Um, I told you guys when I was doing his pregame analysis that I was very concerned with his ability to maneuver outside the pocket and accurately throw the ball. He made four dime big boy throws on third and fourth down during that game moving outside of the pocket including his touchdown to Marvin Harrison Jr. who I personally think if he had been able to stay healthy and stay in the entire game Ohio State probably wins that game but that touchdown really is what was missing from CJ Stroud's game and it was very exciting to see it so you know thumbs up sky's the limit for a guy like Stroud right now um, who is not like that is Mayan Williams Mayan Williams looked very very poor um, the rushing game for Ohio State was pretty much non-existent in this Peach Bowl and it was something that you were really hoping to see out of Mayan when he got this full-blown shot that he's been able to prove basically over this season that he can carry the workload um, he, he just lacks a lot in the physical category when it comes to speed and agility he's just a hammer um, and he's not a very good one when you have bigger defenders that can meet him in his holes which is what was happening all day with Jalen Carter Darnell Washington was the third prospect I was watching in this game and it's just kind of you are what we thought you were um, he he got some big third down completions got targeted a couple of times in the red zone didn't come home with a touchdown or anything like that but he's not a field stretcher for being the size that he is he's just a matchup nightmare when it comes to DBs and a team will be able to abuse that fact at the next level when he is matched up with DBs 
in a similar fashion to how Georgia was doing it. It's just he's not going to be the next game-breaking tight end, unfortunately. Um, when I look at Georgia, not a lot of players on the board that I was looking to actually look at, but the guy that surprised me the most on this team I do want to talk about, and that's Kenny McIntosh. Um, he's a guy that in this Georgia backfield was getting a good share of the carries this year, but he never really never really took it to the next level. He was always giving you flashes, but for those of you that know, that is my issue with Georgia and specifically evaluating Georgia running backs. It's very hard to tell what their overall workload could be at the next level because of how much they rotate their backs. But in this playoff series, Kenny McIntosh was able to get pretty much all the carries for Georgia and absolutely eat. He looked extremely explosive. The only issue to his game is probably his power in between the tackles, but I think he could be an outside zone running back very, very effectively at the next level. Um, he's a guy that reminds me a little bit of... Um, I, I don't want to use this too closely because it's not an accurate comp, but he reminds me a little bit of Raheem Mostert. Um, see the hole, hit the hole extreme speed to match um and so he gives you those chunk plays on a very regular basis he just needs a good offensive line in front of him so i'll be very interested to see where he goes he could be a very good steal for a team that runs an outside zone at the next level he's just a guy that kind of popped off the tape going at some other games that were not involved in that playoff i will start with the sugar bowl recap um this one was pretty much kind of what I expected to happen as well, but I'm glad that I did. Deuce Vaughn absolutely blew up on the national stage, had an 82-yard touchdown, which was very, very electric to see and kind of brought him into the forefront of a lot of people's eyes and minds that didn't know exactly who he was. So I'm very excited to what he did. Um, that game got out of hand quick, so then obviously he got off the field pretty quick, but he was pretty electric for that offense and kept them in the game through the first half. On the other side of the ball, you have Jameer Gibbs, the running back, who looked, in my opinion, the best that he's looked all year. Now, I can tell you right now, the rush defense for Kansas State this year was not good, um, but Jameer Gibbs was getting those hard-earned yards up the middle. He was breaking quite a few tackles in this run game, which is always nice to see. Um, like I said, he kind of gives me those James Cook vibes more than anything, which, yes, he can be explosive, but I I just really need to see more. If he gets extremely high draft capital like a James Cook in that second round, I think I'll be more in on Jameer Gibbs, but I'm still a wait and see for draft capital on me. The last player I was interested in was the boomer bust prospect that I had a feeling was going to bust, and that's pretty much exactly what he did. That's Malik Knowles, number two, the wide receiver for Kansas State. Pretty much entirely shut down. Um, <clears throat> there's quite a few good corners on this Alabama team per usual, and they just completely shut him down. There was no passing offense really in the second half for Kansas State, and that's kind of what I expected. Going on to a very fun game to watch, uh, the Cotton Bowl. Um, the guy I tried to tell you guys about before the Cotton Bowl, and hopefully you listened, was Tajay Spears. Uh, he's just so good, and he exploded for 200 yards, two touchdowns in this game, absolutely took it to USC in the upset for Tulane over USC in this bowl game, and there was really no looking back. He's a guy I expect to get a lot of hype, kind of in the similar vein to what Elijah Mitchell was getting. He's my pick, as you guys know, for that late-round sleeper running back that I think is going to be very, 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 very good at the next level. Very excited to see where he lands and what team he's going to be working for at the next level a guy was disappointed on from this game that did not show out because he didn't step on the field was Travis Dye um, didn't play at all didn't get pretty much any stats for 
<clears throat> USC in this game, and it was kind of disappointing because I think that pretty much killed his potential of being drafted by not showing out in here. Going on to the next game is the Sun Bowl. This is a game that was a little bit frustrating for me due to the fact that the two running backs in the game that were supposed to play did not play, and that was Zach Charbonnet and Israel Abadakanda. Um, these are two guys, as you know, they're the bigger backs, the grinders, but they're both very explosive as well. I'm very excited to see what their you know, pre-draft process and metrics look like at the Combine. I expect both of them to get invites and be full participants. Um, but it was kind of, you know, a buzzkill for a game other than that that was extremely exciting where UCLA and Pitt just went back and forth trading blows the entire time. A guy that had a very good game, but also showed you his deficiencies in the form of two turnovers. Um, one of them, although was not his fault, was DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson for UCLA. Um, in the first three quarters, he looked like he was unstoppable for this UCLA offense. And athletically, I'm telling you guys, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill running around, being just electric on the move as a guy. Um, he just really needs to clean up those mechanics when he is on the move. Um, his ball likes to float a little bit on him, but man, he, does he have a dart when he is in the pocket, sticks his foot in the ground he can absolutely rip it with the best of them um, so I'm very excited to see him I will just keep pounding the drum for DTR going forward and stressing the fact that I think that him over a guy like Anthony Richardson is like a no contest at this point for me so he's a guy that I still firmly have as my QB three right now in this class over a guy like Will Levitz um, I'm just curious as to where the rest of the league is going to see him coming out into the NFL. <clears throat> Two quick hitters. Um, I was pretty happy with what I saw out of the Cheez-It Bowl and the Texas Bowl. Um, the Cheez-It Bowl was OU versus FSU, another great matchup. That was two Thursdays ago now. Um, you saw Marvin Mims do exactly what I anticipate him doing. He's going to be an explosive slot receiver at the next level, and I comp him a lot to Jamison Crowder, but he showed off some wheels in his ability in his yak. Um, two receptions for 77 yards in this game, and just really showed you exactly what he should be used as um, not a target hog at all but he's a guy that can really really do a lot with the production that he's given another good comp for him is actually probably somebody like Nicole uh, lighter frame really fast good deep speed good adjustment um, just might take some time to you know kind of fill that role in a similar vein to how Mikol did. It took Mikol about two years to get in there. Um, if it goes to a system that will use him right, I expect probably the same as Marvin Mims, so he'll be a late-round pickup or even a post-hype sleeper going into year two probably. Um, a guy that did not play that needed to play in order for me to even sniff him out in this draft prospect and draft profile um, section of the year is Eric Gray. Didn't play at all for Oklahoma. Really disappointed. Um, I think he needed it for his draft stock and him not playing is just kind of like a you know a succession for him accepting the fact that he's not going to be a high pick um two guys from the texas bowl that i was very excited to see for ole miss um, versus texas tech were zach evans and jonathan mingo both of them checked all the boxes that i needed to see from them in this last <clears throat> little matchup and i was very excited to see it zach evans looked very very electric um texas tech went up on ole miss early is the only issue so he didn't have a lot of counting stats when it came to it but he had a couple of explosive plays he was used pretty heavily in the pass game and the catch-up but come halftime they basically just took him out of the game we're like dude you're good we're probably not going to win this let's just take you out and keep you healthy same with Jonathan Mingo. He was pretty much the entire offense through the passing game. Five catches, 73 yards. Um, like I said, I comp him quite a bit to a guy like Zach Pascal 
and that's pretty much an average Zach Pascal um, stat line for you right there. It's a guy that can get you pretty much anything that you need over the middle of the field. He's not going to break your back with speed, with quickness, with quick twitch. He just knows how to play the position, and he knows how to be in the right position every single time. He's a very nuanced route runner, and I think he's going to be also a steal for a lot of teams going forward. <clears throat> so that's just kind of the quick recap on all the guys from the bowl games that I was excited to see. Like I said, there's a lot of running back classes. So I just want to kind of, sorry, a lot of running backs in this class. I just kind of want to go over my overarching thoughts on each position group going into this season. I just want to kind of lay it out, out for you guys where you understand where I'm at right now on the class. Looking at the quarterback position, there's basically two guys that are locked and loaded for me. You have, you know, Bryce Young and you have CJ Stroud. Those are your locked and loaded guys. They will be going in the top two picks of this draft, mark my words, and they're guys that are going to be immediate starters next year at the NFL level. After that, it gets a little bit dicey. We've had quite a few quarterbacks that were in my top six to seven range that ended up going back for their senior years because they realized that after Drake May and Caleb Williams next year, a lot of question marks at the quarterback position, and pretty much any of them could grab that number three position based off of how they perform next year. Um, looking at the guys that are left, I personally have my ranks. Um, actually, I'm not going to go into it. It, it. It's very different than the normal people that typically will give you out, you know, vanilla <laughs> vanilla rankings um mine are going to be different quite a bit but that typically is how i have been um going into immediate production at the quarterback position and getting on the field as soon as possible is what i look for more than anything at the position and that's why if you've been following <laughs> basically since i've joined the dc uh, dwz crew here you've realized that's kind of how i operate and it seems to work out decently well if you've been following me you got the davis mills because davis mills was in my top three in the class that he was coming out i knew that he was going to be a starter i knew that he was going to actually get the work in there uh, if you paid attention to my rankings on trey lance you probably don't have a lot of trey lance in which looking at it now is probably a good idea um the top two it's always hard to pick between typically in quarterback classes unless you have an andrew luck or a trevor lawrence even trevor lawrence um he started to heat up now we'll see what he does in the playoffs but there's still an argument to be made that there's some other quarterbacks from that class that could definitely be knocking on the door but <clears throat> it's very exciting top of the group with a lot of guys that i think could be career backups and even be you know pocket starters like a guy like DTR if he comes in and they don't want to switch things up with Lamar you bring him in sit him behind Lamar if there's still contract issues he pretty much can do everything that Lamar can do um, and he's a better athlete personally than <laughs> a guy like Anthony Richards like I said <clears throat> looking at the running back position this is the deepest position in the entire draft when it comes to offensive weapons um Right now, there's 14 guys that I think will have roles next year at the NFL level. Um, we'll see the field as rookies and could be replacing some of these high, kind of high octane free agents that we're going to see in this class. Um, a lot of the guys are continuing to come out. Pretty much anyone that said that they were going to come out has officially declared now. So it should be very interesting. Um, there's a lot of shakeup pretty much after Bichon for a lot of people, even though a lot of people just have Jameer Gibbs locked and loaded as their RB2. I do not right now. So it'll be very interesting to see how this all pans out. But that's the position I'm very excited to talk to you all about over the next couple of months and really hammer out those late round running backs that could be 
you know, those sleepers that we're all looking for at the position, um, the Khalil Herberts, the Elijah Mitchells, the James Robinsons, et cetera, over the last couple of years. <clears throat> looking at the wide receiver position, I was actually just having a conversation with my buddy Jill on Twitter about this today, but um, the wide receiver position is pretty much opposite sides of the Texas spectrum. You either have a boatload of guys that are sitting in that 6'2 to 6'4 range, the true X receivers that are not quick twitch but can be dominant on the outside with their physical traits, or you have a bunch of guys that are 5'10", under 190 pounds as the true flanker Z position in offenses where you're going to get some slot producers that are underweight or a lot of move pieces like a Mecole Hardman, like a Tyreek Hill. And again, I'm not saying like that level of production. I'm saying guys that are smaller and are gadgety moved around. Um, there's only a few guys in each category that I'm super confident in. But the thing that I have noticed during this evaluation period is there's really no locked and loaded slot receivers in this class outside of JSN. I think JSN is basically Amon Ross St. Brown right now. Um, and that's off of one year of tape, which is just absolutely wild. He's more athletic than a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, which is absolutely terrifying um, when you think about uh, just how good he could be in the correct offense. <clears throat> but the wide receiver class is very interesting. And the tight end position, um, we we may be getting the best tight end player. Um, I would argue that Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver, and I will use that asterisk right now that we've seen in a very long time. Uh, Michael Mayer has been comped to Gronkowski basically since he joined on to the team at Notre Dame. Um, he is a physical, you know, very daunting, uh, bust your face open basically type of tight end, but he doesn't have the extreme afterburners of you know, a Kyle Pitts of uh, Chigi Okwankwo from this last season, who led all tight ends in receptions and receiving yards. Go Chiggy, love you. Um, but he's a guy that is going to lock in, loaded, walk in day one and be the starting tight end for whatever team drafts him. I would not be shocked if he goes top 15 in this NFL draft, um, specifically to a team like a Seattle. Um, would make a lot of sense to fill that constant void that they're always looking to fill, especially with the Noah fan experience kind of flaming out this last year. Um, but there's quite a few guys in that two to six range that I think are immediately going to be better blockers than most tight ends that are in the league. Um, there's a guy like Dalton Kincaid, who's my man crush in this tight end class that I think is going to come in day one and be a move piece, like a true Y receiver, i.e. a move tight end, and just be very electric. He's a guy that I think a lot of teams could use, especially if you have a blocking first tight end. Um, I think he could be great in San Francisco. I think he could be great in Chicago. I think he could be a great understudy to a guy like Travis Kelsey to inevitably replace him down the road. Um, there's there's just a lot of places where if you're looking for that second tight end, I think Dalton Kincaid is probably the guy to do it for you. But that's kind of where I'm at right now with the overall kind of class dynamic. It'll be interesting to see it progress over the next couple of months. But I have a feeling that, as always, for those of you that have been following me, I'm going to have a couple of hot takes that are uh, very non-conventional with the general fantasy space. But the thing with my hot takes is that typically I'm not super far off. Um, my biggest misses over the last two years have been Charlie Kohler, I would say, at the tight end, which is always the hardest to project specifically um, as a rookie. And then probably Jalen Waddle, and that's just because of process and I don't deal well with projections I would say that both of those players are extreme outliers 
with how I evaluate people as to where typically don't see people that have had zero production basically in college have as explosive of a first and second season in the NFL as Jalen Waddell. And you don't see guys that produced as clinically as a guy like Charlie Kohler not produce his first year. Um, now, granted, that was because the guy that was drafted with him is kind of an athletic freak and more of a move tight end than Kohler was in Isaiah Likely. But that's also because they have Mark Andrews, who is arguably just the best tight end in the league outside of a guy like Travis Kelsey. Um, but that's like where I am, guys, right now. This was a quick, short hitter episode to cover all of the bowl recap, the players that impressed me and the guys that I'm excited to watch, as well as just my general thoughts in the class. So we're about to start diving in next week to the true rookie rundown content, and hopefully you are as excited as I am. But until next week, have a great time, and I will see you to chat some more rookies then. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.